Art of the Kickstart, episode 77. Welcome to the theartofthekickstart.com, where entrepreneurs are constantly pushing the envelope to build businesses of greatness. Inventors are innovating and creating the products of the future, and backers stand strong for what they believe. These are some of the great thinkers, inventors, and leaders of our time. Here are their stories. Guys, I don't always recommend crowdfunding fulfillment, but when I do, I prefer eFulfillmentService.com. Guys, one of the questions that I've been getting a ton from listeners is how do I know if my Kickstarter campaign is absolutely ready to launch? It's ready to dominate. So you know what? I created a 23-step success guide based off the 80 inventor interviews that I've done. This will take you step-by-step through launching your Kickstarter campaign, making sure you have everything that you need to make it happen. Artofthekickstart.com slash checklist to get our 23-step guide to making sure you're ready to kill it on Kickstarter. Check it out, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Art of the Kickstart. And speaking of welcome back, we have Kendall Liedel, one of the guys previously on the program. Kendall's the designer behind Kendall and Hyde, the company that's making absolutely amazing leather. We just wanted to bring you guys one of the more popular Art of the Kickstart podcasts. We wanted to get him back on, share what's been happening and see what's going on in the business. Thank you so much for coming back today, Kendall. I'm excited to talk to you. Well, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. So, Kendall, we've gone through all the boring stuff, the quotes, this, that, and the other. What's happening in the business? Give people, anyone that missed your first episode, just share what your company is in Kendall & Hyde, what you guys are doing, and what that first Kickstarter campaign was. Yeah, sure. Uh, Well, what was it? Back last April, we launched a campaign for some bags. The story behind the bags basically was that I wasn't finding a bag that I personally wanted. So we went out and created a bag and brought it to Kickstarter. It was fairly well received. I think we did around 145 total pledges. And that was the beginning. We we are now on our fourth campaign. We launched a belt campaign, which was meant to be kind of an in-between as we were waiting for some other projects uh, that were in the pipeline to get ready to launch. It finished last month, and we did a quarter million dollars on that, which totally took us by surprise. Our expectations were around 20000 so that was a good month. And we're now currently running a campaign for some boots, which we designed, something that we've had in the works for pretty close to a year. But the really interesting thing about the boots is that it's kind of a humanitarian thing that myself and my partner Hyde wanted to do, and the way that works similar to what a lot of other shoe companies do. You buy one of our shoes and we're going to create another pair for a child in need. And we're going to focus on the tropics. So we're going to be making sandals, which are the most appropriate shoe to be wearing in places where it's moist and humid. And they're even more needed in the tropics than people really know. We all like to go barefoot in the summertime, but in the tropics, there's a lot of footborne parasites. And shoes become very, very important on the front line of of preventing the spread of certain parasites like hookworms. So that's what we're up to right now. That's absolutely crazy. I wanted to get you back on the program just because of how popular your episode was. You shared a lot of aspects of design. And now we've got you back on and you've raised just about half a million dollars. So you're absolutely killing it right now, Kendall. Take us through, we talked a little bit about what the game plan was. But how do you go about executing consecutive Kickstarters? I mean, you have two running at the same time right now. 
Thoughts on running two at the same time? And how do you go about launching multiple Kickstarters? Well, <laughs> you stay up really late at night getting things done is what it comes down to. The, the, the second campaign, that which is running right now, actually will end before the, the boot campaign. Our boot campaign is a two-month campaign. But we had some people request a variation of the belt that we ran last month. We tried really hard to get it done before the campaign ended, but there wasn't enough time to really maximize it. So we more or less relaunched our lifetime guarantee belt with the revisions and additions that the Kickstarter backers wanted. And then we allowed the first campaign to select that as an option on what they had originally backed. And we're kind of picking up, I guess, the the stragglers who missed the first campaign right now. So that is absolutely crazy. You said your goal with the last campaign was 10,000, 20,000. You would have been excited. You launch it, you hit a quarter of a million. You launch another variation. You're already at almost 20,000 on that. How are you gaming the system? How are you doing so well? Is it products? Is it marketing? Is it that you already have backers? What do you think? Well, I think it's a little bit of everything, really. If you can get external media or or blogger or following on, say, Facebook or some form of social media, of course, that's always going to help you. But we found that actually the majority of our backers actually come through Kickstarter. In fact, one of the questions I asked in our last survey just out of curiosity, was how did you find this campaign? And overwhelmingly, they came from Kickstarter. So with that in mind, I would just reemphasize a lot of what we talked about in the first campaign, which is take care of your backers, respond quickly to them, be respectful of them, and engage them in your product and in your project. Uh, We do a lot of market testing with our projects. In fact, the booth which we're running right now is not only crowdfunded, but it's actually crowdsourced. A lot of the final design options are actually on the table in the campaign, and the backers more or less get to uh, tell me how to finish the boot out, which is fun. That is really um, gives me a little bit more confidence. <laughs> yeah, it gives me a little more confidence that we're actually building something. Um, well, it depends on what the product is, obviously. You can't do it too much because the backer's going to want to see more or less what they're getting, but it's been a lot of fun. There, are, There honestly were some things which I was kind of on the – edge going left or right, and the backers made a, a decision for me, made the decision quite easy when everyone says, oh, go this way, go this way. So yeah, it's been fun. It also engages people in the comments section, and rumor has it that an active comments section helps you in the algorithm that Kickstarter uses to declare you a popular project. Yeah, you get those VAs putting in all the comments or something, right? No, I could totally see that happening. But so you're doing this, and You've got four projects. What does the design cycle look for products like this? When you're creating something that is, it's really a consumer-based good. There's no electronics. There's no hardware. This is pure design and craftsmanship. What's the design cycle look like for something on that? Well, for the belts, that was actually fairly quick. The story behind the belts is my favorite belt broke. I needed a new belt. Went out shopping for one. Couldn't find one that I wanted. Was shocked at the price and kind of just said, whoa, wait a minute. We're a leather company. Why don't I just make my own belt? And maybe I was being a little bit lazy and going out shopping, but made my own belt and thought, well, let's uh, throw this up and see if anyone else likes what I've designed while we're waiting for our our shoes to be finished. Shoes, a completely different story. I can't make shoes. We needed a lot of expert help and and input on that. So yeah, for our products, it's a huge gamut of what can I make in a weekend and then throw up on a Kickstarter to what takes six months of product development working with with factories and experts to to execute. 
That's got to be a huge gotcha. The one you're working on for like 24 hours goes and races quarter of a million. The one you're spending months bringing the experts <laughs> in is at 54 right now. Well, one of our, I don't even know the word for it, but the the source of inspiration but behind most of our products are what do we want to see? What do we need in our lives? And how would we design it if we were designing it purely for ourselves? And that's kind of where the belt came. That's kind of where the boots are coming from. That's definitely where the bags came from. And even though some of them take longer to actually produce, for instance, we're working on a watch right now. And yeah, I've got no idea how to build a watch, but I can draw one. I can design one. I can put the pieces together the way that I would put them together and then have an expert figure out how the movement attaches to the case. But if we if we stay true, we found to products that we love, enjoy, and need, and we build them to the quality standards of what we would want and expect as a consumer, that other people kind of come in with the, the same passion that we had in designing it and purchasing it. So my question for you then, that's a challenge a lot of entrepreneurs and designers have. You always hear that you should create something for yourself, but you also need to validate it with the market. How do you do that? It sounds like this is really just something you love doing and you hit the note every time. You kind of have that internal touch without realizing it. How do people that don't do that make sure that their product is going to kill it with Kickstarter? Well, a lot of entrepreneurs, myself included, come to every project probably with a little bit of hubris, thinking they know everything about making anything that they want to make. And so listening to your backers, listening to your potential customers becomes really important. If you see a lot of people or hear a lot of people saying one thing and you don't agree with it, that's probably a little gut check right there that you're wrong. Sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong, but it takes probably a little bit of uh, practice in, in deciding. Uh, I think I remember it was what Henry Ford who said, if I listened to my customers, I would have designed a faster horse. Absolutely. You know, there, there, is, there, there is that mentality, but at the same time, you know, when all your customers say, I want brown, and you think, no, black is best. You know, it's not quite the same as, as what Henry Ford was talking about. So there is a balance. I mean, you need to stay true to yourself and, and true to the brand which you're creating. But at the same time, you also need to create something that is marketable beyond your own backyard. So you're creating a brand. I think that's really important. I was consulting for a client, a furniture designer out of Germany, and she wanted to create this entire line of products. How would you recommend to someone that is creating a line of products? I recommended more the approach you guys did of hit after hit after hit, make one product, go for your next product. But how do you space that out in terms of a business plan? What did you guys plan ahead of time, I guess? Oh, planning is something we don't do anything with. <laughs> no, but I, I would agree with you that start with your core. In our case, it's the bags and then, then build around that core anchor product. For instance, one of the things that we are doing in it's going to help us long term as far as keeping our leather orders efficient is we're only going to be making bags, belts, watch bands, shoes in four colors. And it's great for the consumer because they can match their watch band to their shoes. But it's also great for us because we've built the product going forward to have minimal components. Again, kind of getting back, I guess, to Henry Ford with his assembly line. Same with our bags. When we design bags, we make the bag so they can share hardware, share certain elements. It pulls the brand together and makes one bag match the next bag, but it also makes us more efficient in assembling the bags. We can have two bags which look dramatically different, but they share many, many components. 
that it is, holds them together, but it also saves us a lot of money and time. That is an absolutely brilliant design philosophy. I worked for a company and they, they had different products between metrics and English units and everything is a mess. The more consistent you can have it, the better your company is going to be and the cheaper it's going to be to produce. So you said... Yeah, and did, did, when, so if someone likes one of your products and you're sharing components or a similar design aesthetic, chances are they're going to like the second product as well. So long as your first product is popular, I guess, that's a good plan. That's that uh, one that's caveat. kind of what we're, we're hoping. <laughs> the one caveat is it has to work the first time. But when it comes to things like the bags and the belts, it's been very successful for us where people have a hard time deciding between two bags. And that's that, uh, to me, tells me that I've, I've maybe done something correct if they can't decide between two versus if they come to me and say, oh, I can't stand that one. Yeah, that means you're hitting, you're hitting on all cylinders. And watch bands are next. What's coming after that for you guys? It sounds like you really are going to be a Kickstarter company that comes back and back and back. Is that the game plan? Where do you see yourself in the future? Yeah, that is the game plan. Going forward next year, we, we hope to have maybe 10 campaigns if we can. We have several different bags which are being designed. In fact, I'll be traveling to the tannery to select leather just next week. But going forward, our, our plan is to release all new products through Kickstarter first. One, because it helps us fine-tune some of the design before we go into mass production with, with backer feedback. But it also is a great place to to generate traffic to our e-commerce store for past products. It's a great place to maybe get some press and build our brand just through awareness. But it's also just a lot of fun. And um, the customer acquisition cost, when you think about it, Kickstarter's 10% is about as low. When I say Kickstarter's 10%, the 5% that Kickstarter will take and the 5% that Amazon payments will take out of your money raised is probably as cheap of a customer acquisition cost as you're ever going to find online. Absolutely, especially because you're going to have to pay some kind of payment processor either way. My next question for yeah, you... Yeah, you'll pay, pay 3% either way, but you don't... Like I said, most of our backers are actually coming through Kickstarter. We're not paying for that outside of the commission share that we have with Kickstarter, which could be wrong on this, but I think is actually cheaper than what you would give up to sell something through Amazon. You are absolutely correct based on pretty much every category. And Amazon has so much more maniacal control. My next question for you, Kendall, is... So, Kendall, you're doing this and you're having you're having win after win after win. What's it like in terms of backers? Is that part of the is that part of the strategy is to keep growing your backer list, your consumer list to make it easier and easier over time? Oh, yes. Obviously, we want to continue to grow our our product support and, and get more product enthusiasts. But it is interesting that we have noticed many backers coming back time and time again. If you are running multiple campaigns and you're not seeing that, you're probably not servicing those those customers and those backers in the way that you should. If you are truly honest and open with them in the progress of your campaign, if you're delivering a good product and meeting their expectations, they're more than likely going to come back and back you for a second product, a third product, and and who knows what more in the future. That is the massive power of crowdfunding is that you're a startup. You're not some big business like Nike, Adidas. People are bonding with you as the startup and you creating the business. They become so much more attached to you and your brand, right? Oh, absolutely. We have, I have some backers who have sent me more than 65 messages. I mean, it sounds crazy, but we have some people who are constantly 
staying in touch, asking what's going on, asking for advice, asking what's next. And it's, it's actually been quite a pleasurable experience. And you can't, you can't get that sort of customer interaction through Amazon or even through a website which you fully control. So Kickstarter is a great way to, to get in touch with your base. It sounds as if you've got those super fans locked down. So we know what's coming from you guys in the future. The next year sounds like it's going to be absolutely crazy. Kendall, most of the questions from Art of the Kickstart don't apply. So here's what I want. I want a challenge statement. We're going to try to have you on again in a year. Where is Kendall and Hyde going to be in a year? What's going to be different? How big is the company going to be? What are you guys going to be doing? Oh, <laughs> the biggest challenge that I would like to be able to say that we've made is that we actually have product in stock. Uh, that's kind of been our, our problem is we're selling out before we can get stuff made. So it would be nice to get our supply line and manufacturing down to where we can not only fulfill our Kickstarter obligations quite quickly, but we can actually keep our e-commerce store stocked for the people who are coming after the Kickstarter campaign. But let's check and see if I actually got those 10 campaigns out in, in, in 12 months. That would be That would be a good goal to hold me to. That would be some kind of record. Just wait, guys. These guys are going to break all the records. Kendall, thank you so much for coming on here. You've been absolutely awesome. You've got two campaigns live. I want to give you a chance. Share share Kendall and Hyde. Why should people? They're already going to come check you out, but just in case, share it. Share it? Well, the, the two campaigns, one is the belt. It's a lifetime belt. I really don't see any way that this belt is truly going to wear out and fail. But you know what? If I'm wrong, we'll, we'll replace it for you. Check that one out. But the campaign that really is the the flagship for everything we've done this year is our boots. Not just because they are really wicked cool boots. A very high quality Goodyear weld. I think the I cut a boot in half the other day. It almost made me cry. But the insole is almost a half inch thick, which means it's going to totally mold to your foot. And after wearing it for a couple of weeks, you're going to feel like the thing was custom made for you. But it's the humanitarian sidecar that is, is something that's really a passion for myself and for my partner. We're really hoping this campaign just blows up. Our goal, our personal goal, not our funding goal, was to have this campaign do a half a million dollars and sell or pre-sell uh, hundreds of boots so that hundreds of children can have the, the shoes that they need to not only be comfortable and healthy, but in some places, actually, the shoes are required to attend school. And if we can get a kid in school... That not only changes their life, but that's going to change the life of the generations that are going to follow. But the shoes that we're going to be building for them are going to be the same ultra-high quality and durability that you'd expect from a Hyde product. And that's why we say buy one, give one, serve many. The The shoes that we're going to make for these children are not going to be a one-child shoe. They're going to be a shoe that can be passed from one child to the next child to the next child to the next child, hopefully for a decade. And multiple kids can enjoy the benefit of having their feet protected. So check out that one. Sorry, I Sorry. cut you off there. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, actually, one of the one of the rewards that we have for that campaign is to to not back our boot, but to back the uh, the sandals that we're making for the children. And there have been some people that throw in five, ten dollars, and you think, yeah, hey, thanks a lot. That's really great. But we had one backer the other day throw down three hundred dollars, which would have been enough for them to actually buy boots for themselves, but they opted not to get something for themselves and threw it all towards the shoes for the children, which is like the coolest thing in the world. In fact, I actually have a challenge out there to my backers that if they can share 1,500 times that I'll personally out of my own pocket, not out of the Kickstarter proceeds, but I will write a check 
to our own company to buy 150 pairs for the children. So if you're not interested in our shoes, but you want to come, just hit that share button. It's going to cost me a few thousand dollars, but I would really appreciate it if you would do that. I am doing that now as we speak. Guys, let's make it happen. This is a really cool issue. This is a really awesome company. Thank you so much for coming on today, Kendall, sharing this story. I would absolutely love to see an Indiana Jonas whip or hat in the future, but you guys are killing it. Keep it up. <laughs> Keep it up. Thank you much. I don't see a whip in the future, but you know, maybe, maybe a hat someday. Yeah. I guess you could get some crowds with that. Might not be the right ones. Thanks so much for coming on today, Kendall. <laughs> You've been great. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank Thanks you. for tuning in, guys. Hope you enjoyed this. We'll have a couple of more amazing inventors on here to share share the follow-up stories. Hey, guys. I'm your host, Matt Ward, and I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Art of the Kickstart, where we believe inventors, innovators, and entrepreneurs are changing the world and bringing humanity forward into the future. If you liked the ideas in this episode, or you're interested in learning more about crowdfunding and how to kill it with your own Kickstarter campaign, you can check out more at artofthekickstart.com. And if you've been listening to the show, love the episodes, but you're not subscribed, that's got to change. You can go to artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes or slash Stitcher and get the episodes delivered magically to your phone. And if you like the show, I would love you forever if you leave a review on iTunes. It helps more aspiring inventors and creators out there find the show and find the information they need to kill it on Kickstarter. Until next time, thanks for tuning in, guys, and have an absolutely 